1: I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, and Pina Jarian. Tonight on Fast, we are following the after-hours action of shares of electronic arts. The stock is on the move on earnings. The company's call just getting underway. We are dialed in. We'll bring you all the big headlines. Plus, Palantir pivots the stock reversing course to finish the day higher. Find out what drove this turnaround. And later, it is trader's choice. We're breaking down three big trades on three big movers in today's session. But we start off with the Fast Money first. Yes, a first. We're making history, folks. We're just hours away from getting the one data point all of Wall Street is waiting for. That's right. We are counting down to the consumer price index tomorrow morning, 830 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll get the latest read on inflation. Many traders pointing to inflation fears as the culprit behind the recent sell-off in high-flying tech. But take a look at the market setup getting into tomorrow's print. The Nasdaq staging a massive reversal today, basically erasing a 2 percent drop at the open to end the day flat. This as yields edged higher. So is today's tech turnaround a head fake? Guy, what do you make of all this?
2: Well, you heard Mike, you just heard Mike talk about a watched pot never boils or he said this, you know, CPI is a watched pot, pot type of thing. And I'm actually with him on that. Unless it comes out extraordinarily hot, which I don't think you're going to see, I think you do see this relief rally continue into tomorrow. So although I do think bond rates are going higher in the short term, I mean, tomorrow might be a complete head fake in terms of where rates go. So 162.70, I think, closed today in the 10-year. Again, unless this is an extraordinarily hot number, I could see rates dipping back below 1.58 and tech continuing the rally that we saw today. Again... I do think rates are headed higher in the back end of this year. I just don't know if it's tomorrow.
1: Yeah, we are sort of making light of CPI in, in it being the, the end-all, be-all data point. We never talk about CPI, <laughs> not never, but hardly ever on Fast Money, because it is one single data point, a read on consumer prices, Karen. But the point here is that the market has been fixated on this notion of inflation, sniffing out any any sign of inflation whether it be commodity prices or labor inflation I mean, with the jolts of this morning certainly there is a concern about wage inflation and that has really been a driver here for the markets
3: yes although there's sort of two parts of the inflation discussion to talk about there's near-term inflation which i really believe we will see i mean there's so many there's anecdotal things but also you can look at commodity prices and see where there's real inflation the second part of it though Is the Fed right in the idea that inflation is transitory or will be because you have this big pent up demand and then and a supply chain issue and some other things that could be temporary. I'm actually I I believe that we will see inflation in the short term and in the longer term. That's how I'm set up. All that having been said, though, that, you know, those stocks that had super high multiples, they have come in a lot. And I'm not talking about the fangs. I'm talking about, you know, The IGV is uh, the ETF we talk about Mm -hmm. a lot. That's come in well more than 10 percent by this morning. I mean, it opened down. It was like a turnaround Tuesday whoosh down and then ended up rallying. I don't know, four, three or four percent from the bottom. So uh, maybe in the near term, that's it. Maybe the inflation scare at the moment for that sector is done.
1: You know, some might say, Pete, that some of these particularly the software stocks that Karen is talking about, they've come into a point where they are buys. And you take a look at a Fastly, for instance, just to pick one out of the, out of the hat. It's off 66% from its 52-week high. At this point, does it look to you like a, like a, a bargain? I mean, what do you make of sort of this, this, little, this bounce that we've seen um, today, at least, in some of these stocks?
4: I think you can make an argument of why that makes a lot of sense, Mel, and you look across the board and it's Teladoc, it's DocuSign, it's all these names, Fastly um... and all of them had a really great rebound today when you look at where they were on the lows to where they actually closed many of these names are up you know somewhere close to ten percent or more off of those lows so that was an incredible move but i think at the same time for me at least when you've got no PE or a three digit or a four digit p i uh... i usually tend to stay away i actually will dip my my toe into a couple of those names with the options but i think overall those are really toxic names because at any moment you can have these incredible pullbacks. And I think that what we're seeing right now is what, what started back in November, but this rotation. And I still think we're in the midst of it. And today, obviously, was on the negative side because of the way the financials traded and a lot of the other names in the industrials and so forth. But I still think that that is intact. I think this was an anomaly. I think we'll see what happens over the next couple of trading sessions. But I actually think that we're going to see even higher highs when it comes to a lot of these various sectors, materials, energy, and all the rest, because I do believe that inflation, like Karen was saying, is temporary. It's mm-hmm. here. And I think even further out, I think it's here.
1: Just quick, Pete, what's, what's, a, what's a name, give me an example of a name in, in which your toe is dipping?
4: Oh, well, I'll give you a great example. Um, I'm actually in a a stock that, I don't know if we were talking about it or not, Mel, but Celsius. And it's Mm -hmm. an energy drink. And they have incredible growth. But when you look at the numbers, it's really tough. You know, it's a head-scratcher. But they are stealing market share from, uh, you know, Monster and from Red Bull. And they're moving uh, really, really well to the upside. But I think the problem is, I look at that multiple, and again... What kind of multiple do they have? Do they even have a multiple? I mean, the the reality is this is one of those kind of names, but I'm a believer in this particular name because I think it's very early and I see the growth that they're getting.
1: Tim, what's the message of the market going to tomorrow's CPI print?
5: Uh, the message is that that the the market may be more concerned about inflation than the Fed is, and and so remember you know, Friday's payroll number was a bad news was good news. Um, Stan Drunkenmiller this morning had a great interview, and he also penned an op-ed into the the Wall Street Journal where you know he, he's basically pointing out that that like you should have zero confidence that the Fed is going to leave the party. In fact, they've they've stayed way too long at the last couple parties, uh, and that chasing thirty or fifty basis points of of inflation um, to overshoot and create an asset bubble is not a trade-off that any of us should want. I don't think that that sentiment is across the entire market, but you mentioned that Fastly. Uh, Look, Fastly was... the first of these high growth stocks really to set the table. And that's mid-October of last year. Mm. And I think the route that's gone on across that space is something that um, I think like higher, higher inflation and then higher rates are, are uh, I don't know which has been a bigger impact for equities. I actually think we want to see the 10-year at 220. Uh, I don't think that's a big deal. I think higher inflation is something to watch out for. I think investors also need to start focusing on credit. And I think if things are as ugly uh, under the surface as the market has has led us to believe at times over the last few weeks, you better check out that junk bond index. You better check out the German Bund. You better check out places that we used to have glued to our screens, because that's the next thing you should be watching.
1: Yeah, um, I'm glad Tim mentioned Stan Druckenmiller. That was an excellent interview on Squawk Box this morning, Guy. And in part of the interview, he said what he was doing with his portfolio since about last summer, and that is loading up on commodities, on the resource trade and long dollar. So really the inflation trade yeah. is where he has been for the past several months.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd push back on the long dollar, but I, I'm with them on the resources. Obviously, Tim and, and Pete has been, have been talking about this for quite some time. And there's despite the fact that these stocks have had extraordinary moves, I still think there's room there. And I'm probably, maybe I'm in the minority, but I think the dollar is back on the trajectory of getting torched into the back half of this year. You know, you had that bit of a run up in the dollar index up to 94 And it's basically retraced the entire move. So I think dollar lower yields higher. And what that means for the market remains to be seen. But I know what it means for the resource trade. And the resource trade, to me, is still alive and well.
1: All right. For more on today's market action, let's bring in Savita Subramanian, head of U.S. equity and quantitative strategy at Bank of America Securities. Savita, great to have you with us. Great to be here, Melissa. Um, Should the market, is the market more concerned about inflation than the Fed? And is that the right position to be in?
6: You know I think the market is concerned about inflation, and uh, you know I don't necessarily think this is just transitory, and I think that what's what's maybe potentially worse than a long term run of inflation is just the the tightness of the market right now and you know I think what's interesting is that you're seeing not only demand shocks from this reopening but you're seeing a, a shortage of workers you're seeing a lot of you know gumming up of the systems from supply chain disruption, just, you know, I think that this microcosm doesn't just happen and then life goes on as usual. So I think that that's, market participants aren't necessarily, or I think the market is starting to pay attention to the idea that this inflation shock is actually pretty extreme. So I'll just give you one example of, you know, kind of some of the the data that we're looking at. If you look at the number of companies that have cited inflationary pressures, um, be it labor or raw materials, We've seen an 800% increase year over year in the citations of inflation. I mean, this is monstrous. We had to literally redraw the chart. It's like an asymptotic line. So I think there are a lot of these types of, you know, anomalous um, shocks that are that are heading into the economy right now that don't just get absorbed nicely and, and life goes on. And I think that's what the market might be reacting to. You know, the other, the other kind of aspect that I think is really interesting is that we get these These questions about valuations. So, you know, if you look at the valuations of financials today, they're higher than they were a year ago. Um, Doesn't this mean we should sell? And I think what's remarkable to me is that when I look at the average mutual fund and what they're holding today versus what they're holding a year ago, they haven't really changed that much. And this is what's shocking to me is how little reaction we've seen in positioning of the buy side of the long-only investment world um, in terms of where they're invested. They're still positioned for a disinflationary, you know, tech leadership type of market environment. And I think that that's what's really going to surprise people, and that's the pain trade going forward.
2: Savita, so 8 million, 9 million job openings out there. Seemingly, employers can't get people in those jobs, but they will if they start to raise pay, right? And we saw it anecdotally with Chipotle said they're going to raise their minimum wage to $15. Is the market going to raise minimum wage for the politicians? And is that the final piece of the inflation puzzle, wage inflation?
6: Oh, absolutely. So this is the key reason that we downgraded consumer discretionary, the sector, to an underweight um, about a week and a half ago, is the idea that... You know the companies that are most impacted by minimum wage inflation are actually you know a lot of these services companies a lot of these retailers um, and that's where you're going to see the margin compression this is sort of a typical mid-cycle type of market where you start to see rate upward pressure on rates on commodity prices on wages. And I don't think it's doom and gloom for margins. In fact, I think that a lot of companies can absorb these costs, at least you know, over a longer period of time, because demand will, will also, um, will also be, be resurrected by this reopening. But I do think that we, as investors, should avoid some of the stocks that have chronically seen margin pressure coming, uh, coming into you know, a wage inflationary environment. So I would avoid consumer discretionary stocks. Those are the, the primary culprit. The, the sales to labor ratio for those companies is the lowest that we've seen across all sectors. So that's one casualty of, uh, of wage inflation. And to your point, I do think that's the final shoe to drop. I mean, I think we've seen it in commodities. We've seen it in copper, we've seen it in oil. Um, you know, We're starting to see it in wages. And you know, I guess the bigger question is, are folks not working because they're collecting stimulus checks, And will they come back online when that runs out? I mean, that's something else we need to think about. But I do think this tightness in the labor market is going to be um, a bit painful for some of the more labor intensive companies.
5: Hey, Savita, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is less quantitative, which is your wheelhouse, than it is qualitative. But a shoe that maybe has already fallen is is the sense that the guidance from companies that their business has come back, um, or at yes. least that they're they're close. Yesterday we listened to Simon Property. Yesterday say that they're at ninety five percent pre COVID uh, rent collection, which is extraordinary. Uh, even if malls are yeah. under pressure in in a secular trend, what do you think about that? As you look at the market and the dynamics that you watch every day, and your kind of your 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 dashboard for your canaries. Um, are, are you worried about because I, I guess I am worried about once companies tell you we're back to good. Um, that's not good for stocks. That's bad for stocks
6: right 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 it's all expectational i mean it's a great question and i think you know we are a lot of measures show that we are back to pre-covid levels um you know we're 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 tracking a very robust economic reopening so i think those are generally positive look i'm super bullish on earnings growth for this year we're expecting over 30 percent eps growth for 2021. this is a monstrous number and a huge recovery we could clear pre-covid 2019 levels by the by the end of this year um so i think this is all good for earnings but i don't think it's necessarily going to be good for the s p 500 writ large so i think there are pockets of the market you want to be in and i was listening to all you guys talk in the last segment and i totally agree i think that materials energy capex beneficiaries um you know financials those are those are the types of places we want to be in in this market environment but the, the, the interesting thing is nobody's there. There's still chronic underweights in the average portfolio. So I think those are the areas that still have a lot more juice. And, um, you know, to your, to your question about does it get bad when the second derivative changes and expectations are, are you know, back to normal, mm-hmm. potentially, which is okay. why we're not so enthusiastic about stocks in the second half of this year.
1: All right, Savita, great to get your perspective. Thank you, Savita great Subramanian, Bank of America. Um, so that can happen in terms of expectational changes at the same time that this transitory or not transitory inflationary environment happens at the same time that in the fall. And this is what City's CEO Jane Frazier pointed out today at the Economic Club of Chicago in the fall when a lot of the additional unemployment benefits and uh, eviction moratoriums come off. I mean, this is sort of a potent mix of different things that could um, hurt the consumer in, in the not too distant future, Tim
5: yeah i think they could and and uh... again we've had a consumer that's had so much pent-up demand they've also had pent-up savings but at some point uh... you're going to get back to reality and and i do think while there is wage growth uh... i think we're we're seeing it in in selective industries i think there's a lot of industries where where frankly there's not necessarily a lot of pricing power so uh... agree that i think the financials have been a great place to be hiding out at some point i bring it also just back to uh... consumer credit issues possibly corporate credit issues and things we're just not talking about right now. But if there's this much pressure, these will come to the fore.
1: Yeah. Karen, just quickly, in terms of consumer discretionary and the impact of wage inflation, I mean, the sales to labor ratio, I think that was an interesting way of of looking at it, because that is low when you take a when you when you look like at a retailer, for instance, any retailer, you've got all these people on the floor. And how much in sales are they, they making per person?
3: Right. Well, uh, that, that is a good point, but I think you could kind of flip it around and look at it the other way, that you have a lot of people who are, uh, who are working, who are now getting $15 an hour, who do some of that workforce tends to be spenders. Mm. And so they have some money to spend now or more money to spend. But also, I think that retailers are getting a lot more efficient with their labor. And certainly the shift to e-commerce for retailers is less labor intensive, I believe, than having... People out on the floor. So I think it kind of cuts the other way potentially.
1: Mm, interesting there. Coming up, we are trading the turnaround in Palantir. That stock was down 6% free market, but finished the day sharply higher. We'll find out what drove the big about face. But first, we're all over the after hours action shares of EA, the stock on the move on the back of earnings. That call is underway right now. We'll bring you the trade when Fast Money returns.
6: Welcome
1: back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Electronic Arts. of the video game company on the move in the after hours. Let's get to Josh Lipton for the breakdown. Hey, Josh.
8: So Melissa, remember heading into this print, EA was down about 5% from its recent 52-week high. That was up about 20% over the past 12 months. As for those Q4 results, 26 cents, not comparable to estimates, but adjusted revenue, 1.49 billion versus expectations of 1.39 billion. Q1 guidance, 1.25 billion versus expectations of 1.16 billion. And for the year, 7.3 billion versus expectations of 6.6 billion. I checked in with Eric Handler over at MKM, he says the Q4 report was good. The bookings guidance for the year was in line with his expectations. EPS Outlook for the year, he thinks, is going to ultimately prove conservative on this one. Bottom line, investors received what they largely expected in this report, Eric says. Though he says EA is a buy, the company he's telling his clients is well-positioned for organic growth in fiscal 22. On the call, CEO Andrew Wilson is saying EO is, EA is accelerating. It's expanding its sports franchises. Madden NFL, he says, biggest year ever. And EA plans on growing sports mobile business by over 50%. As for Apex Legends, more than 100 million unique players now, he says. Strong growth for the game in Asia specifically, he called out. He's forecasting 20% growth in net bookings there. Melissa, back to you.
1: All right, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Lipton, Guy, what do you make of EA's quarter?
8: Solid quarter.
2: Operating margins close to 30% better than the street was looking for. I mean, you want to nitpick on the guide, maybe that's what it is. But, you know, at 23 times next year's number, basically this year's numbers, I should say, was the fourth quarter. I don't think it's all that expensive. The problem is, as our technicians will say, it's had trouble at 150 on three different occasions. Last summer, this February, and obviously now. A breakout is above 150, but you know what? I think you're going to see that breakout. I think this quarter is good enough. I think the stock goes higher.
1: We are off the uh, after our session lows, and we have that knee-jerk reaction lower. Um, Pete, what do you make of EA or the video game trade?
4: Yeah, I think this is a pretty solid number. It's not like something that's earth-shattering by any stretch, Mel. But when you look at the fundamentals of the company, it looks fantastic. You look at the free cash flow, it's about $2 billion. That's great. They're expanding into the sports area. To Guy's point, they've got to break out, though. They've been sort of stuck for a while. Matter of fact, year-to-date, this stock is basically unchanged. So you just wonder what it is as as a catalyst. I guess the catalyst would be that they have got to show that they've got a little bit more growth than we're seeing. But I think at a 23 P.E. and thereabouts, I think it's a very, very fair. And I got to tell you, I got to take a longer look at this stock because I think longer term, this could be a a home run at some point.
1: Or maybe the catalyst is just that they have to prove that they still have growth even when people are out and about and not in front of their screens, Tim.
5: I think that's, the, uh, th- that's definitely where the jury is at. I'm long the stock. Uh, I love the valuation. We talk at different times. These are media companies. These are interactive companies in addition to gaming companies, and they should be treated that way and maybe seen that way uh, from the content perspective. Uh, I do think that the sports interactivity is, is a dynamic that we, we're really just in the beginning of um, and, and where the leagues are going to be more involved in this story as well. Apex Legends, uh, everybody thinks that this is going to be a franchise that, that is no longer part of the core, but it remains so. Um, so yeah, as these guys said, the valuation is good, the free cash flow is good. Um, I I I like the story, and I think there's great secular trails.
1: We'll continue watching. This is now up eight tenths of percent after hours. Still ahead, the earnings keep rolling in. We're watching shares of quantum scape in the after hours. The stock moving lower with the call now underway. We're waiting to see if the company has anything new to say about a short seller's allegations of fraud. We'll bring you the headlines plus. Palantir powers higher. The stock making a major reversal today on the back of earnings. But we spotted something in the options pits today that could point to some pain ahead. We'll break down that action when Fast Money returns.
7: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with Jim, a leading global asset manager.
9: We had a responsibility to develop the, you know, using our diagnostic
2: leadership uh, to develop uh, the test, not only for pandemic phase, but also for vaccine phase. Um, you know, if we're going to rely solely on vaccine, which I think we've done a, an amazing job from the development to the rollout. Uh, but if we rely solely on it, there there, you know, it's not as complete as you would like.
1: That was Abbott Lab CEO Robert Ford speaking to Jim Cramer just moments ago at the Healthy Return Summit. You can watch that full interview tonight on Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Again, with Jim Kramer. Check out, uh, meantime, the about face and shares of Palantir today. The tech stock reversing course after initially dropping in the pre market to finish the day higher by more than 10%. The company reporting results today announcing 49% revenue growth, issuing bullish guidance through 2025. The company's CFO also saying today Palantir is considering adding Bitcoin to its balance sheet. Stock getting a lot of attention among the retail traders today. According to ThinkNum, in fact, Palantir surpassed GameStop to become the most discussed name on Wall Street bets today. So, what do you make of this turnaround? Guy Adami, who named Palantir the P in the Hope trade.
2: It is the P in the Hope trade, and I didn't think it was going to go below 24. And it traded down to 17 today, and I was scratching my head because I'm looking at the quarter and saying, wait a second, the growth is there, the free ca- cash flow is there. Pete can speak to that. And oh, by the way, operating margins were ridiculous. When I say ridiculous, ridiculously strong. And then I think the street sort of woke up to that. Um, This company, if they can ever get scaled down their offering for the mid-sized businesses out there, it's going to be a monster. I think they'll be able to do it. The fact that it traded close to 200 million shares, which is more than two times normal volume, is very encouraging. I think it washed a lot of people out. I love the price action today, and I think the stock continues to go higher.
1: Karen, what do you think?
3: Yeah. Well, this is one of the few high flyer in terms of valuation that I am long, even with today's rally. I think I'm not on at the bottom around 24. So I'm already deeply in the hole. I agree with Guy. I thought it was a really good quarter. I um, was surprised how it sort of opened. The whole whoosh down was pretty strong. And, um, you know, I think the only weak spot, not only, but a main weak spot was international, which I think is a little further behind than we are, so I expect to see good growth there. The U.S. growth was fantastic, so uh, I like it. I, I chickened out. I didn't buy more.
1: Do you think that it has just been getting hammered because it's, it's in that crosshairs of the high valuation area, Karen, which you actually shorted. I yes, mean, you shorted IGV more
3: broadly. Yes, IGV, right. I did cover some IGV yesterday, covered some today. Um, yeah, it, it definitely falls in that group for sure. All right,
1: let's bring in Mike Coe. He spotted some interesting action in Palantir Options today. So, Mike, what'd you see?
9: Yeah, Guy was highlighting the fact that it traded 200 million shares. It also traded over a million option contracts times the multiplier of 100 shares per options contract. That's over 100 million shares worth of Palantir Options that traded. Calls did outpace puts. But some of the activity that caught my eye and almost all of it was very short dated was actually on the put side. We did see a lot of weekly puts trading, including the 19 and a half and 18 and a half strike puts that were trading today. This was not the Wall Street bets crowd that were trading them either, because a lot of these were larger blocks, a couple thousand contracts at a time on the buy side. And we know that they're opening trades because they exceeded the open interest. And what could be going on here is that because the stock was down around 17 at the beginning of the day, those who were along the stock could be looking to hedge some of the gains that they saw today risking about $0.33 on those spreads, possibly to lock in the gains that they got.
1: Yeah. Pete, you probably spotted this action, too.
4: Yeah, and I totally agree with Mike. I actually view this more as these were buyers that were out there, Mel, that I think were, were hedging themselves against stock and maybe even those that are entering into stock positions and buying these very inexpensive puts, quite frankly, that give you that protection to the downside. So I think that would be a very smart trade. You never really know with puts, obviously, but it sure felt to me like that was a hedge and a very smart
5: hedge.
1: Yeah. Tim, what do you make of Palantir, in particular, the action we saw today?
5: Uh, Guy made a point on the volume, uh, certainly where sentiment was, and investors needed to truly see a number, even on high expectations. I think uh, people have gotten away from the core here. So the 49 percent rev growth, the ability to to, to broaden this into. I, look, I, again, their, their Fortune 500 uh, audience is, is growing as it is. I think the guidance there was extraordinary. Remember, this was part of a Reddit uh, mania on the way up also. Okay. And I think that ultimately hurt the stock. I, I think it gets confused with stocks uh, like a GameStop that, that don't have fundamentals. Um, and yes, valuation needs to to make sense at some point. But I think uh, it got to a place where I, I think a lot of value investors are able to own this thing. And I think look at the software space overall. And at some point, we're starting to see that.
1: All right. Mike Coe, thank you for more options. Action. be sure to tune into the full show. That's Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, a real disaster. The real real plunging nearly 20% today, but that got one of our traders hitting the buy button. We'll bring you that trade. But first, we've got a fast pitch on deck. One trader says this stock is ready for a big breakout. We'll bring you the name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. I wanted to correct something I said earlier in the show in a conversation about the interview with Stan Druckenmiller. I said that he was long dollar. I misspoke. I got that wrong. He's short dollar, short treasuries. So there he is on that trade. Meantime, if you're looking for the next big opportunity in the market, you are in luck. We've got a guest Fast Pitch lineup for you. Courtney Dominguez of Paying Capital Management is here to lay out her best idea. Welcome to you, Courtney. And you're pitching Freeport-McMoran, and this is an interesting one, given the run in the stock and uh, copper prices at record highs already. So what's the catalyst here that propels this higher?
0: Yes. Yeah, I really think there's some great opportunities here with Freeport-McMarin, considering it is one of your direct beneficiaries with copper price increases, which, as you mentioned, did just hit some all-new highs. But it is expected that copper can get as high as $6 a pound by the end of the year. And they have mines on three different continents right now. And it's really one of your most direct investments to copper through the S&P 500. And those supply and demand constraints right now are only expected to likely get worse. So supply is at one of its worst constraints we've seen, but demand is only expected to increase. And add on top of that, the fact that clean energy demand for copper is expected to increase fivefold this decade. And there can very well be some significant supply shortages in copper here um, in the mid 2020s, which is only gonna increase copper prices further and therefore benefit Freeport. But lastly, clean energy is actually a pretty good play here using Freeport. And that being said, copper um, is actually a really good, efficient source of transmitting energy for both wind and solar. And add on top of that, electric vehicles use about four times as much copper as does a traditional combustion engine. So for all of those reasons, I think the copper wave is only going to continue. And that's very much going to be a beneficiary of Freeport here. And take a look at the one year chart here. You will notice, to your point, it is trading actually close to its 52 week highs. But I wouldn't discount that because it is still trading at a discount compared to the S&P 500. And the free cash flows are actually pretty healthy right now. What is the lever that you're most concerned
1: about? You mentioned all these different sort of the, the end users of copper. If any one of those end users soften in the market, let's say the housing market softens or the market for EVs yep. soften, what, which ones are you most concerned about?
0: It's something to keep our eye on. The demand for copper isn't as much as we're expecting. That is one of the risks here. And actually, I think China is really where you want to take a look at because they're actually 50% of the global demand for copper, believe it or not. So I don't think it's necessarily a major concern, but that is if you're looking for something, something to be watching for.
4: Courtney, so uh, I'm curious. When you look at the balance sheet, is that something that you're looking at and just saying, wow, it's just too cheap because where it's trading on a PE level as well as you look at the free cash flow and everything else, is that intriguing still for you at this level?
0: It is. Yeah, I mean, they actually didn't even have free cash flow last year, but you're actually seeing now they do have free cash flow again this year. And they are trading. You look at their uh, forward PEs. It actually is cheaper than the rest of the S&P 500. So I think you've got to look at some of those fundamentals, and it is a good value here still. Just curious, Courtney, do you
1: like um, a lot of the other uh, you know, resource stocks? Or is Freeport, Mac, Moran, is that a standout?
0: Uh, very much. I mean, I think inflation, which I know we've already talked about on this show, is very much kind of here to stay. And I do think it's something we definitely need as a hedge in our portfolio. So looking at materials in general, it's a really good opportunity to have a piece of that and be able to make sure that you can take advantage of inflation kicking in. Freeport is a really good example of that. It's not the only one that I'm looking at by any means. All right. It's time to vote. So are you buying Courtney's pitch on Freeport Mac Moran?
1: Guy Dami, kick things off with your vote.
2: Mel, Mel, are you able to read my smart board for me? Please, okay, me can see. you do that? See. It says, <laughs>
1: preaching down arrow choir. Preaching to the choir, right. perhaps?
2: She's preaching to the choir. That's exactly. No, it's not perhaps. That's spot on, by the way. Well done, Courtney. Despite the move, I think it trades up to the 08 high, which I believe, and Tim can fill me in,
5: $58 or
2: thereabouts. We'll go to Tim. Tim, what's your vote?
5: He's right. Uh, I'm also a buyer. Mel, I don't know if you can read my smartboard, but it says FCX equals FCF. That means, look, Freeport is a cash flow machine. Uh, and if you look at the copper strip where it is, you don't even need copper prices to go significantly higher. On next year's multiple, trades at about four times at its peak at $58.00. It traded around seven times EBITDA, so I, I think there is more to go uh, because I don't see what changes the fundamental story for copper supply-demand dynamics. And, and uh, uh, yeah, like I, I've liked this story for a long time. I continue to like it.
1: Pete, you actually mentioned uh, FCF in the FCX discussion as well. <laughs>
4: <laughs> i did mel i tell you what uh courtney i thought she did an absolutely an outstanding job but she had me at hello in other words she had me at fcx because this is a name that i've had a nice run in and i feel like i've, I've got seller's remorse mel i actually have been in this name since november i got out of it last friday i want to get back into it already so i likely will be into it maybe as early as tomorrow all
1: right karen are you gonna round it out what's your vote
3: uh, I'm going to pass. I, lo- I mean, I learned something new, which is great, about how much copper goes into EV, which I always like learning something new. However, when I look at the forward curve, I feel like the copper uh, frenzy, maybe it's not a frenzy, will maybe abate. And even if the free cash flow is there, the sentiment around the stock as copper prices mm. goes down will go down. So I'm going to let that, that ball pass. It might be a strike, might be a Passes. ball, I'm not sure, but good uh, Good pitch. But I'm going to pass. And kudos to my three counterparts for all being long now or in the past. I right. never was.
1: Well, three out of four traders ain't bad, Courtney. Our thanks to you, Courtney Dominguez mm-hmm. of Paying Capital. But the key here is whether or not you out there watching the show are buying Courtney's pitch on Freeport MacMurray. you can vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll have the results later on in the show. But first, we've got another earnings alert for you. Quantum scape on the move after reporting results. We'll bring you the numbers next. Stick around. Much more Fast Money in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another earnings alert for you. Quantumscape is on the move in the after hours. Phil Abo has been listening in on the call. Phil, what's the latest?
9: Uh, Melissa, this call is focusing on a lot of where the company is in its development of the cells, the next generation solid-state battery cells uh, that the company is is putting together. Uh, the stock trading down lower after they reported a wider-than-expected loss of 20 cents a share. But keep in mind, they spent $30 million versus $20 million in the fourth quarter. Uh, this is a company that is focused on hitting key milestones and they outlined that they've hit a couple of those, and they expect to hit a couple more. Here are some of those key outlooks, uh, milestones in their outlook. The pre-pilot line for developing this next generation of battery cells, they're making progress on that. They expect to enter next year with $1.3 billion in cash. And not only that, they added a new milestone, commercially relevant pro- prototypes for automakers next year. Those commercial cells, by the way, they expect to have them to their customers in the time frame of 2024-2025, and Jagdeep Singh, Jagdeep Singh, excuse me, the CEO on the call, talking about the fact that he is not going to be selling any of his stock. Here's what he had to say:
2: Based on the groundbreaking results we have shown so far, I remain optimistic about our ability to execute on this vision and achieve our goals. Given this context, with the exception of satisfying tax obligations. I'm committing to not sell any of my QuantumScape holdings, at least until we have delivered a prototype and a commercially relevant work factor to Volkswagen.
9: Take a look at shares of QuantumScape since April 15th. And the reason we're showing you since April 15th is because that's the day that Scorpion Capital, a short seller, put out a scathing report. Melissa, you had the people from Scorpion on, I believe, a day or two later. And in that report, they called this a giant pump and dump scheme. And that made a lot of people sit there and think, okay. Despite everybody at QuantumScape saying, hey, that allegation is false, would the SEC get involved? No mention of the SEC either in the earnings report or on the conference call. Uh, and again, this call is focusing on the milestones that they have hit this year mm-hmm. and the milestones they expect to hit over the next couple of years.
1: The commercial sells to customers in the 2024-2025 timeframe, Phil, does that mean that they would be manufacturing at scale by that point?
9: Well, they didn't say at scale, but you can deduce that if you are Volkswagen, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of the primary customers for QuantumScape, you're going to want it at scale by 2024, 2025. You're not going to want a uh, very limited run. Now, whether or not they can make it to scale production of this uh, next generation cells, the four-layer and then ultimately the eight and ten-layer cells, that remains to be seen. But they are talking 2024, 2025 for commercial production of these next generation cells.
1: All right, Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau on QuantumScape. It is now down about 2% after hours. Um, Guy, we did have Scorpion on. Um, They had a 90 some odd page report on this thing. Um, It was at least the third short seller report to come out in the EV DSPACT company space, which is interesting. Um, and this is a sector that has been crushed, absolutely crushed of late.
2: Yeah. Well, listen, the comments out of the CEO are very encouraging. He said mm-hmm. he's not going to sell, other than his tax requirements, I guess, if I heard it correctly, he's not going to sell stock. I mean, that's obviously an encouraging thing. This is, this is what I'll say a couple things. Cowan put out, and uh, I think they initiated this stock a month and a half, two months ago, $57 price target. I'm fascinated to see if they backtrack on that over the next couple days. One. Number two, remember, they filed, a 10, they, they filed for a 13 million share secondary, priced only 10 million shares at about a 20% discount a month and a half or so ago from 48 where it closed down to $40. It's never even sniffed that price again. To me, you've got to sit with your popcorn in your hand and watch how this thing plays out, because I'm not quite sure what happens, but it's going to be fascinating. I don't think we're going to see 40 anytime soon, uh, but I'm hard-pressed to think they can push it much lower from here.
1: I mean, the question is, will, will we see it? Again, and it's right now down more than 70 percent from its 52 week high. And the question and I think of Karen when I when I say this, should it ever have been that high? (laughs) You know, and and I think that's sort of the the question investors have at this point with the froth or enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it, coming out of this space. How do you value a pre-revenue, pre-profit company with an untested technology? Karen, I don't know how you do it.
3: I don't know how you do it, especially for a technology that I don't understand. And that valuation, whatever, <laughs> I, that valuation you, you should never have been there. There's no question it should never have been there. Are we going to have a discussion three, six months from now? It should never have been at 29. Um, mm. So this is just that it's, it's filled with everything I couldn't possibly get comfortable with. On the flip side, I wouldn't short it either because who knows?
1: Coming up, the Trader's Choice. We are breaking down Fast Money trades on three monster movers in today's session. Plus, it's not too late to vote for Courtney's fast pitch on Freeport Mac Moran. Do you think it's a buy here? Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll have the results at the end of the show. And as we head out, a quick message from CNBC.com reporter Hugh Son as CNBC celebrates Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month.
9: I think being an outsider gives you some huge advantages. Uh, you know, I know personally from quite often being the only Asian American person in the room, you know, you develop a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. You want to outwork your competitors because that is within your control. That work ethic is really useful. I think it's rocket fuel for career success.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Three monster movers in today's session. We're calling it Trader's Choice. We're going to lay out the moves. The traders will give their trades. First off, Roblox soaring double digits after crushing results. Real Real a real disaster dropping 19% of disappointing results. And 3D systems surging on earnings. So let's kick things off with Roblox. Guy, why don't you take that one?
2: You know, reported yesterday during, I think we were talking about it during the show, and the stock was trading miserably in the after hours. And I was looking at it and saying, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Bookings were up, I think, 161% year over year. You know, I get the valuation thing, but the stock had already gotten whacked. Um, traded down to 64, spent the rest of the day ratcheting higher. I love the price action. I love the fact that it traded a number of times normal volume. And, oh, by the way, talking about that stock draft, this is one that I thought was going to go early, in the CNBC stock draft, and I'm not sure if it went at all or if it did it went in the later rounds. I like it. I think you stay with it.
1: Yeah. Tim, your pick on trades here. Which one?
5: Well, Roblox, by the way, which if Petra and had hedged edged me out on that one as well, I, it'd probably be in my stock draft portfolio. Look, um, Guy talked about the 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 growth numbers here. If you look at the size of the demographic and how valuable that demographic is, uh, so that's Gen Z and you know anyone who looks like that. It's it's really important to understand that this growth is there and the engagement is something that they can monetize. Uh, I love their partnership in China with with, with uh, Tencent, and you have a case here where I think this is a global, global story with tailwinds. And how about the metaverse? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm into it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Karen, Trader's Choice, which stocks do you want to trade?
3: OK, so real, real. I mean, uh, you know, I watched it all day. It, you know, it was on sale, clearly very much on sale. Can't help myself. I had to buy some at the end of the day, take it home, see how it looks in my portfolio. I think that there is more growth to come. I think this really is a reopened stock. I think there was an analyst report saying the reopened growth is already priced in. If, I, I don't know if I'm getting that exactly correct, but I don't. I think um, that we're going to see more people go to sort of fancier events and social events, and then they're going to want Real Real's product. I think Real, Real really has a great name. Their balance sheet is in good shape. They have some debt, but they have cash. They have time. I don't love that the CFO left. It could be very innocuous. I'd like to dig a little bit more on that. Um, and I i don't know. I think it's interesting. Normally, I wait three days on something that kind of misses, but I couldn't help myself. It was on sale. You know how it is. Yeah. I might take it home. and It might look terrible. I don't know. <laughs> but I am long. So um, I think it's interesting. 20% off
1: it is before. always, uh, it always lures me in, too. Um, Pete, Trader's Choice, which it's name yours. do you want to trade? <laughs>
4: Well, by what you just said, I was thinking TJ Maxx and you talk about money coming off. No, I'm going to go with 3D Systems, Mel. And what I like about what they're doing is just about everything. The new CEO has done a great job, a complete focus now on healthcare and industrials. And they did a great job in terms of... They beat on on the top and the bottom. So they're, they're doing things finally the way we would hope that they would. And I think the fact that they're new and refocused sort of a plan to go forward is really starting to work. And I think we'll see that start to pay off into the future. But we already saw it today because stock reaction and obviously there's a pretty large short interest. But the combination of those two really pushed this stock to the upside.
1: All right. Up next, you can still vote on Courtney Dominguez's uh, fast pitch on Freeport MacMoran. Weigh in on our Twitter handle at CNBC Fast Money. We'll give you the results right after the break. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time to reveal whether you at home are buying Courtney Dominguez's fast pitch on Freeport MacMoran. You can put it on the board. Yes. Courtney knocking out of the park on her first fast pitch. Sixty-three percent of America says Freeport is a buy. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn, Tim.
5: BHP, this resources trade in commodities goes higher. BHP leader of the pack.
3: Karen Feinerman. Yeah, well, we just talked about real, and so I don't make that many trades a day. So this is my final trade. Real. Pete Najarian.
4: I'm going to give you the letter U, Unity Software, Mel. They
2: just crushed it tonight. I think this thing's going a lot higher.
1: Hmm. Guy Adami.
2: Tremendous power pitch for the first time out. Right, Mel? Don't you love the power pitch? Absolutely. one of our best segments, I would think. Fast pitch, yes. You know what else I like? I like the way MasterCard traded today. It's (laughs) off its all-time high, traded well today, M.A. All right. Thanks for watching
1: Fast Money. See you back here tomorrow at 5. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.